Our scripture for today comes from, again, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them, to His disciples, and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. As we've been pursuing this study about discipleship over the past few weeks, we've said that from the very first moment of our salvation, we are a disciple of the Lord Jesus. That being His disciple is not some process that will take place later on. It is immediate. And it must be immediate in our own understanding of it. And yes, we do have a lot to learn. A lot to know about the Lord Jesus who really did lay down His life to pay the penalty for your and my sins. And all those things and many more must be learned as we go along. And that's going to take time. But the being portion of our discipleship, that has to begin immediately. And I want to emphasize that being portion because the being must always come before the doing of our discipleship efforts. And that's an important matter. Why would that be so? It's as we've been saying over these past few weeks, and it's as simple as it seems, before we can begin to tell others about our blessed Savior and Lord in a true and and right and, and correct way, you and I must first take some time to really get to know the Lord Jesus ourselves, who He really is, and to get to love Him in a deep and intimate way. And I know that that is contrary to the mainstream preaching within most of our churches today. There is much preaching that advocates brand new Christians going out immediately and telling others about their experience of salvation and about the Lord. But folks, it's clear that in the zeal to witness, too often well-meaning but unlearned new Christians will pass along faulty and wrong beliefs to other people, leading those other people down paths that they shouldn't go. People who are vulnerable to wrong teaching. How do I know that takes place? All I have to do is look within the lives of church members that I know. People who devotedly sit in pews every Sunday in some of the best churches, but yet they have very faulty beliefs. And that's not me just being judgmental. It's easy to see not easy for them, but easy for others to see. And what has taken place is as soon as they became believers, they didn't spend the necessary time learning of the Lord Jesus. They just started going out and telling others what they knew, which was very little, and they passed along that very unlearned belief system onto other people, replicating their own lack of understanding 
passing it on to others and to others. You and I, listen, it is so very important for us to first take whatever time it is necessary for us to really get to know the Lord Jesus intimately. Else, you and I will do the very same thing. We can easily go back out and go astray in our efforts to witness to others. As we read this story of the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts, we see that it was several years, perhaps as many as 14 years after his conversion before he went out on his missionary journeys. And the Bible scholars agree that during that all those intervening years, Paul spent in study and preparation. Now again, yes, God may call and equip some new Christians to immediately be able to go out and begin witnessing. God can do those things. And it's good for all of us to be able to immediately, at least in a limited way, to share our testimonies with others about our salvation. But it seems clear from these scriptures that our first order of discipleship, our very first order of discipleship, is to first begin to read and to study God's Word with all diligence, learning the truths of God and getting to truly know how to love the Lord Jesus with all of our hearts before we begin to try to teach others about Him. And it's through the words of these Scriptures that God is able to begin to make all those necessary changes within our own hearts. That rooting out of that old man that's spoken about in the book of Ephesians. Putting in the new man. His word is able to examine our hearts and to reveal to us the depths of all the needs that reside there within our hearts. Needs that have been there for a long, long time but have not risen to the surface. Needs such as that of repentance. I hear very little about repentance in the hearts and in the, the conversations of new believers. Yes, they prayed this general prayer when they made that sinner's prayer as they walked down the aisle. Forgive me for all my sins. And then they move on from that. How many times do you hear that general statement made in prayers by preachers and other people? Forgive us of all our sins in Jesus' name. Amen. We spent time with our grandbabies over the weekend. They have a lot of rivalry. Three and five year old. That's the majority of the difficulty as we spent time with them. You say to one of them, say you're sorry to your sister. They stub up. Finally, after a few threats and perhaps having to go to bed or whatever, they come back and they say, sorry. Now we know that that's not repentance. They're not really sorry. But we do the same thing with God when we say, when we splice in this little phrase into our prayers, forgive me of all my sins, amen. Repentance is so very important. New believers need to know how to repent. You and I come into this Christian life filled with the residual effects of the debts and the burdens of sin that have plagued us in our old life of unbelief. And yes, in our salvation, we were forgiven and set free 
from the penalties for those sins. But listen, the residual effects of all those sins that you and I had as part of our habits and lives, they are still there. They plague us, holding us back. But the Holy Spirit wants to lead us out of that mire and through whatever steps that are necessary for repentance. Cleansing our hearts and unburdening our souls. And if that new Christian is not discipled and told that they need to do that, it never occurs to them to do that. They just know that they are being plagued by all those old habits and desires that they had before they were saved. They need to be discipled. And what God uses in your and my life is this powerful word here. Listen to this. This is Hebrews 4. Some of my favorite words. Hebrews 4.12 For the Word of God is living and active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joint and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. And no creature is hidden from His sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him to whom we must give an account. This is real. This is real. It is through the pouring out of God's Word into our minds and hearts and souls each day that that can take place. And I can't emphasize that enough. You and I must be diligent in our continual study, our continual reading of these precious words, else the Holy Spirit will be hampered in His efforts to cleanse us from all those old habits and behaviors and mindsets. You and I will not be able to be the disciples that Jesus wants us to be. It is the pouring out of God's Word into our hearts and souls and minds that that's able to take place. And so may I ask you, I want this to be an individual question in your heart. Do you have that kind of commitment to Christ? Do you set aside a time each day to read and to study God's precious Word? Do you? If you do not, how can He do what these words Tell us here, listen, for the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing down between the division of soul and spirit and joint and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. How can He do that? How is He able to do that unless you pour out His Word into your heart and mind by reading each day? And so I want to plead with you and me to do this, to read and to study and to surrender our hearts and minds to the Spirit of Christ so that He can begin to do His work in us. And if you and I do that, if you and I read and study, then the Holy Spirit will always be faithful to do what we just read here. Through the reading of these Scriptures, the Lord Jesus then can be taught to us by the Holy Spirit. And I want to emphasize that point that it's only through the Holy Spirit that you and I are able to come to know who Christ is. Did you know that? He told us that. Jesus told us that in John 16. Listen to these words. Verse 12 of John 16. 
he said to his disciples, this is just before Jesus was about to be crucified, he said to his disciples, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. He will declare to you the things that are to come. And listen, He will glorify Me. This is Jesus saying, He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is Mine. Therefore, I say that He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. Everything of the Father, everything of the Son, the Holy Spirit will then input that into our hearts. The Holy Spirit does many things. He is God right along with God the Father and God the Son. But there is one very special thing that the Holy Spirit does. And Jesus told us about it here. The Holy Spirit reveals the Lord Jesus to us. That is the way that you and I can get to know who the Lord Jesus is. He takes who the Lord Jesus is and makes Him known to us. No amount, listen, no amount of scholarly reading and study, even Bible college classes and seminary classes, can ever teach us the truths of Jesus unless, unless those truths are powered by the omnipotent presence of the Holy Spirit. It's only through the Holy Spirit that any of that will be able to be learned by us. He reveals Jesus to us. But it takes something on our part, and that is you and I have to open these words, be diligent in our reading and in our study of these words. So then as we surrender our hearts and our minds to getting to know the Lord Jesus, that is when the Holy Spirit will begin to do an intense work within us. And that's when He especially begins to make dramatic changes within our character and our personality and our behavior. Now again, let me go back to what I'm talking about. A new believer comes down and prays the prayer to receive Christ. He goes back and he sits in the pew. She goes back and sits in the pew. Unless they are discipled, they go really no further. Now, does that always involve another person? No. It has to begin with them also digging into these Scriptures themselves. And if they don't, they sit there in their pews stunted in their growth. I want to say to you that as a new believer, there is nothing quite as powerful as digging into these scriptures. And that's when the Holy Spirit is able to do those, make those changes in your personality and your character. As the Holy Spirit indwells you and me, His manifest presence begins to come to the surface and to show forth the personality and the character of the Lord Jesus. What does the personality and the character of the Lord Jesus look like? It looks exactly like the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, goodness. All that begins to suddenly come to the surface within our own character as the Holy Spirit works within us. Now listen, you may have been a really, really, really nice person 
before these changes begin to take place. But listen, these fruit of the Spirit are not just nice moral attributes or some other kind of good human traits. There is nothing even remotely similar to the fruits of the Spirit that can be present within a person until the Holy Spirit begins to show Himself in their character. When the Holy Spirit begins to show these fruit in our character, that is holiness. That is holiness. The holiness of Christ shining forth and there's nothing else like it. I can't emphasize that enough. And those fruit of the Spirit not only bless you and me as we have them starting to rise to the surface in our lives, they bless everyone else around us. And that's the real reason for the fruits of the Spirit. As they manifest themselves in you and me, they're intended for the blessings of those that we come into contact with. Are those present in your life? Are they blessing people in your life? I said in an earlier message that when those fruit of the Spirit start to show forth in your and my life, opportunities begin to take place. Those who are watching us cannot help but observe and wonder at our changes. Hasn't that taken place with you? You'll watch someone become a real true believer and they change. And you can see the changes. They don't just stop doing the big things like drinking and cussing. They begin to have other differences that are just so obviously those of godliness. Those precious qualities of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, all of those, as they're being radiated out from us, they do gain other people's attention. They gain their favor. And that's when the Holy Spirit begins to secretly prompt some of them that are watching you to want what you have for themselves. That would be the biggest compliment that I think I could ever have. As if someone were to look at the new nature within my life and want that because that would be the nature of Christ. When that does take place, that's when you and I then are cast into this next step of of our role as a disciple. We are at that moment a witness, a very powerful witness. And that's when we can use those Spirit-filled words that we have been learning from these Scriptures to then perhaps walk with them through changes in their life, such as if they walk up to you and they say to you, listen, I, I see the difference taking place in your life. How can I have that? How can you help me with that? It may be at that point that you would lead them through the steps of their own salvation. Now, I do hope to dedicate a future message to that whole process and the appropriate wording that will be used or is used by evangelists as they lead people down their pathway to receiving Christ as their Savior. But for this message and our study of discipleship, I want to continue to consider the steps that follow along after a person has already taken that step of receiving Christ. They now need to be discipled. They need to know how to 
get to know this One who has saved them. And that's when we have these words that I read at the beginning. Then Jesus came to His disciples and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Some have construed the making of disciples there to be getting them saved. That's probably not a good interpretation of those words. This is commanding us to make disciples. And that is a person who already knows Christ. It may involve leading them to Christ. But these words here are for you and me to go and make disciples, to disciple others in how to love the Lord Jesus. And that command there is a marching order to us. But how do we step forward and obey that command? Let me say to you, this role that we're talking about here, it begins in the most ordinary of circumstances in our daily life. Yes, we're members in regular attendance at our church, and yes, we're involved in attending and even perhaps teaching uh, in Sunday school classes, or maybe we're involved in small group Bible studies. I have two of those that I enjoy being a part of. All of those involvements give opportunity to rub shoulders with other believers, some of whom will eventually make it known that they have a desire to be discipled. They may not be able to word it exactly that way in their mind, but discipleship is what the Holy Spirit is prompting within their hearts. And you need to be ready to recognize that. And it usually comes down to just a simple question. Would you like for us to perhaps begin to meet on occasion, once a week perhaps, and let's study these Scriptures together, one-on-one? Now listen, those same opportunities come to us in our workplace. You have people working right beside you. Do they know Christ? If they know Christ, how well do they know Christ? They may not go to your church. They may not even go to a church. But they have been watching your behavior. And your behavior might prompt them to want to get together with you and perhaps meet once a week and study these Scriptures. May I ask you, does your life show forth that kind of presence of the Lord to where someone would want to ask you to disciple them? If they do, listen, you need to step on forward. Now you may be uncertain and reluctant thinking that you don't know enough about these Scriptures to try to disciple someone else. Maybe you do need to be discipled yourself, and that is fine. But if someone wants you to disciple them, and you think that you don't know enough about these Scriptures, let me assure you that that may be the Holy Spirit prompting you to go ahead and move on ahead and to begin a more intense study of these truths and learning for yourself. And sometimes in that Bible study, you might only be one week ahead of them in in your discipleship and in your own learning. But it's what God is calling you to and you 
and I must be willing to step on forward and do it. Now one last thought before we close. You might question, well, how do I even begin to disciple others? What kind of materials do we use? Do we just study the Scriptures? Now there are a lot of discipleship materials out there in the Bible bookstores and maybe some of those would fit. But more often the direction of study will be prompted by a conversation that you would be having with them. You need to listen to their needs and then ask the Holy Spirit to direct you to the appropriate Scriptures to study. Most of the time, people have the one simple need that we've been talking about, especially new believers, and that is simply how do they get to know and to love the Lord Jesus in order to truly be His disciple? And then that would take you then to these Scriptures. And I would suggest that you begin there with these Scriptures. So then, do you disciple someone else right now? Are you being discipled by someone else? It needs be. It needs be. It is a command from the Lord. Then Jesus came to His disciples and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Let's pray.